0: We continue our series, Ordinary People. Everybody, point to yourself, say, I am an ordinary people. <laughs> I've got all these people that have subscribed to Grammarly in their life, and me and Dez are the only weird people here who will say, Ordinary people. <laughs> uh, ordinary people. I'm an ordinary people. Um, so, um,. Let's go through this one more time because we need to be reminded that we are ordinary people and God uses ordinary people. So God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, but usually it's the ordinary people that don't think God can use them. For some reason, it's all the extraordinary people that have this this big, huge image of themselves and think that they're all that and a bag of chips, and they're the ones that God's going to use. But guess who God uses the most? ordinary people because it's not about you it's about God and God is looking for available people not extremely talented not extremely awesome not not that saying that none of you guys are that because God gives us all talents and abilities and we all are absolutely incredible people but we are just ordinary people we don't usually celebrate ordinary things. We consider ordinary to be normal, average, mediocre, not special, blah, or bland. Right? Much like my preaching ordinary, not bland. Not media. Wait a second. No, that's not it. Strike that from the record. God views ordinary differently. And this is what I want you to get. In all of these character studies, we're going through the disciples, but all of these character studies, I want to see what God sees in me. When he looked at Peter, what did God see? When he looked at Andrew and John, what did he see? When he saw James, what did he see? Because it wasn't... It wasn't what other people would see because they saw boisterous. Uh, I heard it just the other night that the only time Peter opened his mouth was to switch shoes or switch feet, right? Switch shoes. Switch feet. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, and so uh, what did God see in him? What made him a good disciple? He was an ordinary person just like you and me that sometimes put our foot in in our mouth, sometimes are uh, impatient and sometimes uh, step out and get ahead of God in our decision-making process, loud boisterous bull in china shop. What did Jesus see? So hopefully through this series, we're going to see things that we identify with, characteristics of these ordinary men that... uh, that we can relate to because they were real people we sometimes view the disciples or the apostles as the stained glass images on the church uh, windows with a glowing orb do I have a glowing orb I don't have a glowing orb not that I've ever wanted a glowing orb around my head but we view them as as greater than normal And yeah, they did some pretty incredible things. But I'm telling you, if you look at their life, they were ordinary people. But God used them to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. We don't have to be on a stained glass window with a little glowy thingy around our head in order to be used by God. We need to be available, available. So our Acts uh, 4.13 is our our focus verse throughout this in the NLT. The members of the council were amazed and they saw the boldness uh, of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men, say ordinary men, with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So important. So important. The most important thing out of all of this is that they had been with Jesus. You could tell that they had been with Jesus. When someone looks at me, when someone looks at you, I want them to see Jesus. I want them to know that you have been with Jesus. I want them to know that you've spent time in the Word of God and and you have been with Jesus in prayer in relationship in loving and delighting in his law people should be able to see that in our life if they can't maybe we're not doing it right and believe me i've been there where i was not doing it right people could not see jesus in me and i don't ever want to go back to that i don't ever want to be in that position where someone looks at me and cannot see that I have been with Jesus. There's been days that I've gotten up and for the first little bit, if anybody had seen me, <laughs> we talked about this last time, if anybody had seen me, they would not think, this man has been with Jesus because it was before I prayed. It was before I had my cup of coffee and I was being a bear or I wasn't feeling well or whatever. I do not want to uh, walk around this community I do not want to spend time with people without them realizing that I have been with Jesus. When they look at me, let them see Jesus. Less of me, John the Baptist, he decreased so that Jesus could increase. That's the life that I want. That's the life that I want for you. So, you ready? What are we talking about tonight? It's coming. Eventually. Better know who Philip is? He's a disciple. Good. Excellent. <laughs> uh, part five. This is it right here. Um, we're going to look at somebody that I think all of us can relate to. We, we don't know much about Philip, not a whole lot is said in Scripture about Philip. Philip. The Disciple, not to be confused with Philip the Evangelist in Acts 6. Make a note of that. All right, Philip the Disciple. Philip, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but Philip is not, a, um, n- not a, uh, a Hebrew name. It's Greek, meaning lover of horses. I just thought you'd want to know that. I, you know, I'm a walking Wikipedia here we go. <clears throat> I, I, too, can use Google. Excellent. Philip, uh, it's a Greek name, meaning a lover of horses. So, uh, but we know that he was a Jew. So, uh, the Greek name would indicate that uh, he came from a family of Hellenistic Jews who were influenced by Greek culture. We don't know his Jewish name. Uh, it's never mentioned. Somebody might uh, maybe somebody in his family lineage could tell us what his real name was. But Philip is what we know him as. It is a Greek name. Um, and so his family would have been influenced by uh, Greek culture and Greek customs. And so along that journey, here comes Philip. The most important day in Philip's life happened in John chapter 1. Verses forty-three through forty-five. The most important day, it says the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, "Follow me." This is the first record. Of Jesus finding and summoning. (laughs) Is that a question? (laughs) That's a one. That's an amen. That's an amen. That was a hand raised for prayer. All right. We'll pray for you after. Um, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus found Philip. Jesus found him. So, Just for one moment, just for one moment, if Jesus found you, could we just take one moment and thank him for that? Because I was lost. I don't care if my grandparents and my parents uh, attended church or were involved in church. It doesn't matter. There had to come a point in my life where Jesus found me and changed me and transformed my life. Tonight I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for that moment in children's church where God poured His Spirit out on me. Hallelujah, I'm so thankful for that moment where he changed this little, uh, rude little child that had a horrible temper into a child that loved God and loved people, that changed my life forever at that moment. I'm so thankful for a God that found me, that found me. He found me under the pew of a church uh, or at a church. He found me, even when my parents would sometimes forget me, under the pew and go home and then realize that I had fallen asleep at church and came back to get me. God found me under that pew. God found me. He cared about that little kid. He cared about that little kid with a horrible attitude. He cared about that kid that had a problem with lying. He cared about that little kid enough to find me. Enough to find me and change my life. And so Jesus came, and he findeth Philip. And he said unto him, follow me. Follow me. Philip was the first that this was said of. Jesus selected or called each one of his disciples. But this is the first mention of Jesus seeking out and calling a disciple, follow me, follow me. When scripture mentions something and it's written out, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of Uh, That life just kind of sort of happens in the background of scripture and scripture points out some highlights along the way. We don't the the Bible says that if everything was written, you know, we couldn't contain all that was written, all that Jesus did. There's there's no way. But when something is said specifically, it's there for a reason. It's just letting us know that Jesus is still out there looking and seeking and finding and saying, follow me, follow me. Still going here, John 1, 44. Now, Philip was of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. So Peter or Philip would have known Andrew and Peter and, and possibly may even have, have worked with them. What was the area known for? Fishing. So most likely, that was their life. They knew each other. Verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him. Isn't it amazing (laughs) that we walk around and say things that are just totally inaccurate and untrue, but we think that we're speaking truth. Philip said we have found him when just previous, Two verses before, Jesus findeth Philip. (laughs) I'm so glad that the Lord saved me, yes. Uh, I'm so glad that the Lord found me, yes. Um, But but many people think that they find Jesus. Jesus is the one actively seeking you out. There are many people that that. Uh, would, would claim that they found the Lord, or that they found Jesus, they found truth. Now Jesus found you. That is the love of God. He found you. He cared enough about you as an individual, as an ordinary person, that he found you. He's seeking you out today. He's seeking out parts in your life that we haven't fully given over to him yet. He is looking deep into our lives and wanting to have a complete and full commitment to him. God is seeking after you and wants you to be a part of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But Philip, he findeth Nathaniel, which is that, that in itself is awesome, says, we have found him. Takes credit for it, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philips, this is this is incredible. Philip's very first act as a disciple was to make a disciple. <laughs> His first act. Jesus finds him says follow me philip immediately becomes a disciple philip immediately goes and finds nathaniel and makes a disciple out of him makes a disciple out of him absolutely incredible and that's how it works how much how much at this point did philip know about jesus how knowledgeable was he about what jesus's plan and purpose and goal was He knew the history. He knew the prophecies, sure. But Philip, I don't think he was an ordained minister. Just an ordinary guy. Yet he was able to, immediately upon becoming a disciple of Jesus, go make disciples. Absolutely incredible. That is the heartbeat of Jesus. He made disciples. Disciples made more disciples. Made more disciples. We see it come to uh, fruition on the day of Pentecost where his disciples were now preaching to the masses. And we see thousands, thousands receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then persecution hits and spread them far and wide. Well, most of the leadership stayed in Jerusalem. So who was doing the baptizing and who was doing the disciple making around the world? It was the new disciples, right? It was just new believers. And they didn't have, they, they didn't have this wonderful print. They didn't have the Bible put together in this nice package, or they didn't have the internet. They didn't have all of these fancy things to study and and learn about. All they had was the experience of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, they've been given power to become witnesses to everybody, to make disciples. Absolutely incredible. But just ordinary people. Ordinary people. Every disciple was unique. Each had a role to play within the group. We know that there was treasurers and, and different ones that set up different things. And but they were they were a, a, a close-knit group. Of course, within that group there was even closer-knit groups. Um, and then we s- see disciples that we r- rarely even hear of except occasionally they'll pipe into a conversation you know they're there but are they you wonder if they're doing anything with their life like what are you doing with your life you're just following jesus around and and sometimes i wonder what i'm doing with my life like what have you done today for jesus i I don't i'm just following him i I don't even know i'm just learning today today is a grow day i I have no idea what i'm doing i'm just going to take the next step as it's lit by the word of god I, i have no idea some everybody um uh looks at at pastors like they know everything and i know that you guys don't do that but but most churches look at their pastor like he knows everything about the word of god and he knows everything there is to know and um um That's just not the case. Um, There are days that I'm just an ordinary person uh, trying to live for God the best of my ability and allowing God to use me as he wills. Amen. And that goes hopefully for all of you as well, uh, that you're living each day uh, allowing God to use you as he wills. But these were just ordinary people. Jesus selected people who were available. Jesus selected people who were available. They didn't look available. They were busy about doing something, right? When he went and they were fishing, they weren't, or mending nets, they were doing something at the time. But it wasn't about them being busy about doing stuff, it was about their heart. Availability to the plan that Jesus had. Come, follow me drop the nets, drop the whatever I'm doing. My purpose is now to follow Jesus. Okay? So it's about being available. Jesus is still looking for people to simply say yes. Simply say yes. And what does that look like in a life? I don't know. What's it look like in your life? What it looks like in my life is when God says, go talk to somebody I say yes. When God says it's time to pray, I say yes. When God says it's time to to do uh, a special event in town, I say yes. When God says you need to give an offering of something that you don't have, my attitude is yeah, yes. God, what, whatever whatever it is, whatever you want from me, My soul says, yes. Jesus is looking for people who will simply say, yes. Philip was just a fisherman. He wasn't like Peter. He wasn't like Andrew. He wasn't like James. He wasn't like John. And like some of the other disciples who get kind of paired up, he was paired up with Nathaniel. Nathaniel, obviously, was somebody close to him. We talked about making disciples of friends. Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew. So that was a friend. When he was called by Jesus, his first instinct was to tell a friend, we have found him. He might have been a little off in his thinking, but we have found him. We have found him. But what we know of Philip is, is, is very little, but uh, we see some examples uh, of his practicality, his by-the-book, maybe his narrow focus, um, and he would usually state all of the reasons why something could not be done, rather than why it could be done. And so, from the examples that we do have in Scripture, we would it would seem to indicate that he struggled with faith, and also he he struggled with a lack of understanding of who Jesus is. This is Philip, just an ordinary guy. He's obviously a disciple maker, had a willing heart. Philip had a seeking heart, and this this is also important. We've got to be seeking after, seeking after God. There's got to be something more than just living life. There's got to be something more than just daily walking, going through the, the norm, paying our bills, making sure that our house is taken care of and, and that the dirt gets spread in the driveway. And just, like There's got to be something more than that because that is mundane. Philip had a seeking heart. Because when Jesus called him and he told Nathanael about it, he told him all about it. He told him who Jesus was. He had been reading about it. He knew about this Messiah that was to come when he said, we found him. We found what I've been reading and studying about. I've been seeking after this my whole life. We found him. So Philip was excited about what he had studied and actually come to fruition. It actually happened. It actually happened. Have you ever prayed about anything? Strongly desired something of the Lord? And God fulfilled His promise in your life. It's like... I've been studying about this. I've been studying about healing. I've been reading the word of God about healing. And then sickness came into my life and I didn't know what to do about it except pray. And when I prayed, God healed my body. It went from I studied about it. I was seeking to going through a situation to the actual fulfillment of healing in my life. This was Philip. He had a seeking heart and actually got to see Jesus in the flesh, praise God, and follow after him. What an awesome fulfillment. Had he, had he not known anything about Jesus, what would, we, what would he have told Nathaniel? Because <laughs> he ran to tell Nathaniel something, but he was obviously excited that he had seen the fulfillment of what he had read. The prophecy that had been fulfilled before his very eyes. This is the Messiah. Praise God. We don't know anything else to share with somebody. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Because he is, he is working in my life. I know him and he has worked in my life. He has changed me from what I used to be. Let me tell you about my personal testimony, how God has influenced my life and changed my life and transformed me into what I am today. I don't know anything else. I I can't tell you about Old Testament people. I can't tell you all these old stories. I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. I don't know all that stuff, but I can tell you that Jesus changed my life. That was Philip. That was Philip. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come and see come and see. You don't believe me? Come and see. That was his, that was his talk with Nathaniel. (laughs) I found him. Come and see. Come and see. Check it out. See for yourself. I just don't believe in all that nonsense. I don't believe in that church stuff. Believe in that Bible. It's just a book. It's just history. Just stories, just fables. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. How Jesus changed my life. How I used to be. How I am no longer that person. That's not a fable. That's my story. That's my testimony. God changed me. So come and see. And watch him do something for you and your life. The situations in your life. God can can heal, he can minister, he can change. Come and see. Jesus turned to Philip just before feeding the 5,000. This is a very interesting insight in Philip's life. Jesus turned to Philip just before feeding the 5,000, asked him how they were going to feed everybody. Now, don't tell me that Jesus didn't have a sense of humor. Because Jesus knew... What was going to happen, right? <laughs> Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. But he turns to Philip. Why would he turn to Philip? Of all the people, because Philip's rarely mentioned, right? Turns to Philip. It was, this was obviously a teaching, learning moment in Philip's life. Jesus is very specific in his teaching and training uh, when it comes to you and I. He doesn't teach me the same way he teaches you. He usually comes at me with a big rubber mallet and bunks me on the head because I'm stubborn. Not like Brother Shane. All right. It's like, no, that is wrong. Whack. Read it again. What's it say? <laughs> OK, I'm going to read it again. Whack. That is wrong. OK, so um, but Jesus was teaching Philip very specifically. He was checking And having Philip check to see where his faith was at. But this is what Philip came up with. So Philip is standing there. He's seeing the crowd. And this gives us a little bit of insight about uh, how Philip was. Philip was very analytical. Uh, Some might say he was a a bean counter. He was uh, very practical. And so... He was already thinking. He came up with the answer almost immediately when Jesus asked, "What he was, what, how we're going to feed all these people?" Um, he'd already been thinking about the calculations. He was thinking, "What, how much money do we have in the treasury? Um, where are the closest stores, and where can we find uh, enough bread?" And in his conclusion, we can't make this happen. We cannot make this happen go back and read that sometime read that story read that story go through it with the mindset of philip as he views this situation we don't have enough even if we got just a morsel just a portion It's not going to feed anybody. We might be able to get crumbs for everyone with the money that we have. But we definitely can't feed the thousands. We can't make it happen. He looked at the practical problem and forgot that Jesus could work in the miraculous. How many times had Philip seen the miraculous? How many times do we focus on the problem rather than the problem solver? I know I can identify with Philip quite a bit. As I'm working uh, hard to to make sure that our our live stream goes well and I'm I'm trying to get all of the, I'm studying and I'm researching and I'm trying to get it done just right so that we don't have issues and and all of that kind of stuff. And the last wire I plug in tonight, the router, fried, no power, nothing's working, no internet. My first option is to run around and panic and what are we going to do and How's, how's, finally, I stopped and said, God, you know who needs to hear this message tonight. You're going to have to work the miraculous because I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of what I can do. It's the long weekend. ACS is not going to return my call until Tuesday if I'm lucky. God, you're going to have to work a miracle. God, you're going to have to do something. I had my Philip moment. I can't just go to the store because it has to be their router. It can't be my router. It has to be their router. I was doing the calculations in my head. How much it's going to cost now? It can't happen. It can't happen. We focus on the problem rather than the problem solver. We allow the facts to cloud our faith. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. Everything is stacked up against me. I don't know how you're going to do it. We allow the facts in a situation to cloud our faith. To stop or minimize our trust. This was Philip. And I'm telling you, this is very much you and I. Here's a good one. We view our church size and our location. And we wonder how we're going to turn North Pole upside down with the gospel. You ever felt that way? I know I have. We focus on the how. Can we, rather than with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. God loves to blow our minds. He loves to go above and beyond what we can imagine, above what we can ever think. He loves to see our faith soar. Is anything too hard for God? What scripture is that? Is anything too hard for God, if you've finished the book of Genesis, <laughs> hint, hinted, 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 yeah, okay, there we go, all right, point you in the right direction, that's your homework, find that, find that verse. Is anything too hard for God? Yeah, you're going to have a baby. Oh, you're, you're, you're almost 100? How can it be? Snicker, 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 laugh, laugh, laugh. Is anything too hard for God? No. No. But we look at the problem and not the problem solver. We allow facts to cloud our faith. But with God, all things are possible. And God is just kind of sitting back sometimes. When I've got the solution, I've got the answer, and I'm looking for the availability. I'm looking for the person to say yes. I'm looking for someone who is willing to do what I'm asking them to do. I'm looking for someone who actually wants to have a meaningful relationship with me. And I've got the answer, and I've got the solution. I've got the the solution for the sin problem, and I've got the solution for your health problem, and I've got the solution for your financial situation. I've got the solution. I've got the answer. He's looking for us to have faith, looking for us to trust, looking for us to follow Him. So I said there wasn't a whole lot mentioned about Philip. Our final look at Philip is at the Last Supper. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his soon departure and the birth of the church. We, we, we have the benefit of, of knowing the end, right? We, we've got the benefit of, of having the scripture and we, we 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 know kind of how it's gonna play out, but sometimes we gotta put ourselves in their shoes and realize that they did not have all the answers. They were living it, right? Like, well, why didn't they have more faith? What's wrong with them? How come they didn't believe that God was gonna do this? And how come they didn't believe that that the church was gonna go forth and all this? They were living it. Look at yourself. Look at myself. (laughs) I've got to look at myself
1: because
0: I'm like, I'm living it. I'm in the middle of it and I have all these questions. And I'm like, there you have it. I'm right there. I'm in the middle of it, and I don't know what the end's going to be. I don't have it all written out, but I know that God's going to come through because with God, all things are possible. Amen. So we look at Philip, the Last Supper. Jesus is responding to Thomas in John 14 and 6. And this is when Philip pipes up with the question or a slash challenge. So Jesus wasn't even talking to Philip. He was talking to Thomas. Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And here is Philip, as we're going to call him from now on, Philip the Oblivious. We have Thomas the Doubter <laughs> and we have Philip the Oblivious. He just heard this. Unless he was like AJ and we tell him, if you're going to eavesdrop, eavesdrop on the whole conversation so we don't have to go back through the conversation again. Maybe Philip wasn't paying attention. But Jesus just explained this. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Philip was staring at God Almighty. And he missed it. And He missed it. Staring right at him. 4.19. Or I'm sorry, 14.9. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us, The father, Philip, the one who stated at the very beginning, we have found him. He was the same one who missed the fact that Jesus is God Almighty. We look in the Old Testament, Isaiah 9 and 6. And I'm sure Philip had read and knew and had studied, if he was looking at Jesus saying, we have found the Messiah. Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born. Jesus. Unto us a son is given. Jesus. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful... Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Don't tell me Philip didn't know that. Show us the Father. Philip, the oblivious. Show us the Father. Philip had found the wonderful. He had found the Counselor. He found the Mighty God. He found the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Philip found Jesus. Now, you know what I'm saying. Jesus found him. (laughs) But Philip should have known who this was. Philip found Jesus. Hallelujah. He knew. He knew. Exactly, who was standing in front of him? Sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. Have you ever looked to Jesus for an answer while completely forgetting that he can fix it? Have you ever been oblivious (laughs) to the power of God? Oblivious to the fact that he can answer and solve problems. I don't know, has your prayer ever been, God, you know the situation, and if you can, or if you would, could you kind of move in and help with this situation, if you want to. That is, if you have time for lowly little old me. You ever (laughs) ever prayed that prayer? I may have once or twice, being completely honest. The Bible says to come boldly. To come boldly. If you are a child of God, my goodness, in in the flesh, if A.J. comes up and asks something of me, If he asks for an egg, I probably would give him a serpent. But, I mean, if, if he asks something of me, I'm going to probably do my best to uh, supply that need. If it was a, 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 a serious need in his life, then, then I'm going to try to do my best to, to, to make that happen. And that's just in the physical. And, and sometimes we go to God timidly. And we... we we're looking for an answer, but somewhere in us, we don't think that he'll either answer or we don't think that he'll answer the way that we want him to, which that sometimes his answer is no, by the way. You know, God always answers prayer. It's either yes, no, or wait, <laughs> right? God always answers prayer. But sometimes we will pray and completely forget that he can fix it. He has the solution. He has the answer. We become oblivious to his power. become oblivious to the fact that he wants to help us. He loves us and wants to have us live our best life here on Earth. He wants what's best for us. He wants us to be living in our God-given purpose. Sometimes we are like Philip and completely oblivious to the power of God that wants to work in our life. Jesus, help me to know and understand who you are. Help my faith to be in your abilities and not my own. Help me to trust you completely with every situation. No matter what is going on in my life, you are in control. God, I allow that in my life. I I, I don't want to hold you back or tie your hands in my life. God, today I give you free reign in my life. I want your perfect will to be accomplished. Get my flesh out of the way. Help me to die daily and get this flesh out of the way so that your will can be accomplished in me. Jesus, in your name. Hallelujah. If you can use a practical, narrow-minded, weak faith, Philip, you can use me. You can use me. Hallelujah. God, help me to recognize the opportunity for miracles and not to limit you by the lack of my faith. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Help us, God. Let's stand. Help us, God. Hallelujah. Philip. Sometimes I think Philip just absolutely just lost his mind there for a minute. And it happens. Believe me, it happens. There are days that I go through that I completely forget that God is in complete control. I allow situations to override me or attitudes to override me. Allow the flesh to rise up and cloud my faith. But if God can use Philip, just an ordinary fisherman that struggled with faith, was way too practical, he can use you. He can use you. Praise God. Praise God. Tonight, as we pray, let's pray that God would help us to clear the fog To build the relationship that we know we need to have with him. To die to this flesh. And allow God's sovereign power to be at work in our lives. We want to be ordinary people used extraordinarily for the kingdom of God. In order to do that, we need to be available. So tonight... Let's pray that our hearts and our lives and our time, our talent, and our treasure would be available to God for his use, for the expansion of his kingdom in Jesus' name. God, we come before you tonight, God, with an open heart, a heart of availability, a willing heart. God, if there is anything in me that is keeping me from you, I pray that you would cleanse me tonight, God. God, I repent of any sin or any evil thought or any evil way. If there be anything in me that is unlike you, I pray that you would cleanse me tonight. Wash me once again with your blood, God, that I would be clean before you in right standing with you, righteous before you with your righteousness. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would help us tonight. Help us to see, God, not with our carnal eyes or our carnal vision, that we would see with faith the things that you are able to do that you're able to do through us, using us, just ordinary people, to do extraordinary things for your kingdom. God, I pray that you would use us, that we would be available to you, no matter when you call, no matter what you ask of us, that we would say yes, that we would be willing to do what you ask us to do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God help us tonight. God give us strength, God when we are weak. Help us Lord God every single day to live this life that as people see us they would see you and not us. That they would see you in our lives. That they would know that we have spent time with you in Jesus name we pray. In Jesus name we pray. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Singing the song every as a prayer
1: If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my heart, Lord, speak to me, you can use anything, Lord, you can use.